This episode of Hungry for Hawks Talk podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball game and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time, folks, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Blackhawks fans, welcome back. It is the moment we've all been waiting for. We have three-time Stanley Cup champion, Chicago Blackhawk legend, former Carolina Hurricanes player, current Pitbull advocate and pro angler, Brian Bickle is on the show. Thank you so much for jumping on, man. Uh, how are you doing, sir? Oh, doing great. Thanks for uh, inviting me to enjoy this uh, opportunity with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're so excited to have you on here. And again, thank you for jumping on. We just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. I mean, I know Dylan has a few. My co-host Dylan has a, a couple <laughs> questions for you uh, regarding your, your pro angling status. So uh, why don't you fire away there, Dylan? <laughs> yeah, you been fishing lately at all, Brian? Or uh, I haven't been doing much fishing. We're up, uh, we just purchased a cottage. So we've been doing a lot of renovations to it to kind of get it four seasons. Um, ice is kind of not that good. It's kind of skeptical in spots. And we haven't had a really cold winter. Believe uh, it or not, up here in Ontario, it's been warm and breaks of cold. But um, I'm hoping to get out through the ice and try to catch something with walleye, crappie, and things like that. So um, lately, it's just been we're in COVID, right? So we're in full down shut mode here in Ontario, um, in homeschooling. Um, so it's been a lot of family time for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm sure that's not something that you're opposed to, of course. No, I'm not. Uh, I was playing, I was put on this bird to play hockey, not to be a teacher. I tell you that. My patience <laughs> is very, very low, especially with my kids. They're only four and six. So um, it's, been, uh, it's been challenging. I know my wife's doing a lot, and for our kids are in French Catholic, so it's all French. And I'm like, I don't speak French. I barely can speak English, but I don't So um, to, uh, I to get them doing what they need to do to get through school, so it's good. Yeah, that's fair enough. You've been playing a lot of dress up lately, or what? <laughs> uh, I got two girls, so the, the dress up, they haven't, I've kind of frowned away from that, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's fun watching them to be around all the time. Um, I know it's it's been tough at times with this COVID stuff, but um, you know, you, you definitely see your kids grow at a special age. Yeah, for sure, and that's awesome. Um, just so the folks at home know, Brian's actually not driving. He's uh, he's the passenger right now, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's got his own private so chauffeur there, right? Eh? Yeah, I got the old man here. He's uh, I pull over. I'm like, hey, Dad, I gotta help on this podcast for these guys, so he's willing to drive. So really appreciate that. Thanks, Brian, and thank you, Mr. Bickle, as well for for driving. We we really do appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. 
so how's uh, how's life been? I mean, um, you know, you've we've we kind of mentioned a little bit there. Uh, after retiring, you, the most recent thing you've done, I guess, is uh, has been Battle of the Blades, eh? Did Battle of the Blades? Yeah, that was a couple months ago. Uh, it was a different experience. Putting figure skates on, never wore figure skates before. Um, did about at least 30 toe picks to fall on my face. Uh, thank God they weren't all on camera. They were in practice, <laughs> but um, it was a cool experience. It was a bunch of ex, uh, ex players with Prestige and Wojtek and some other uh, girl hockey players. So um, to do it for a good cause, and especially with a, a crazy, crazy uh, time we're going through this world to give some people something to watch. You know, there was no sports, there was no hockey. And, um, you know, put on the figure skates and get my um, my dance moves on. It was uh, pretty cool experience. <laughs> and, uh, it was fun. That's awesome. Was uh, what did you have to train? You obviously had to train a little bit differently. But was it? Uh, did it remind you a little bit of? Uh, like, was it? A, it probably wasn't as intensive as training camp. But did it? Uh, did it remind you a little bit of of your old playing days? Uh, I didn't really train too too much. Like I've mm -hmm. been retired for over three years, and I haven't been training at all so uh, you know to kind of get back in this way things it's every day to be on the ice and kind of get back in, into the groove and you know figure skating you have a partner you got to pick up your partner i had to pick her up above my head and make sure to not to drop her and, um, old injuries that, that i had during my my career playing hockey now they're coming back after the show with uh, my shoulders my knees and things like that but uh, it was an experience it was uh it was kind of cool. I thought I did a pretty good job, and um, you know, expressing my myself in, in different ways, and just uh, you know, spread a good cause with uh, my MS stuff, and um, it was a fun experience for sure. Yeah. Did absolutely. you enjoy uh, getting chirped by Versteague, or were you guys around each other really when you were filming? Or <laughs> uh, we were social distance, so we had each had a different group. So there's four or five of us in, in a group, but then <laughs> there would be different categories. But Chris was. I think that's what kind of kept him around. He was on the bottom of the list every year, every week, and then he <laughs> voted through because I think everybody just wanted to hear his chirp. So uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was fun. It was Chris is Chris, and uh, he had fun at it too. And I think everybody on the show uh, had a good experience. Now you mentioned that you know your your MS Foundation. I, I really want to dig into that. The Brian and Amanda found, uh, Bickle Foundation. Uh, I know you guys started. The foundation to kind of combat the negative stigma uh, surrounding pit bull breeds, um, mm -hmm. but that's since expanded into um, you know doing MS research, multiple sclerosis research. Uh, so, do you want to can can you just talk a little bit more about that and just basically how the foundation started and, and everything like that too? Yeah, so uh, it started when we got to Chicago. We rescued our little pit. Um, she's 15 now. Um, so before, like in Ontario, there's a ban on pit bulls. Um, we got her before the ban, and then we obviously moved to Chicago, played in Chicago, and, and saw the big issue there. You know, there's they're they're a misunderstood misunderstood breed, and people make them that way. And we just wanted to get these dogs out of uh, a negative spotlight, and you know, bring them into a better home, and and just not have the big populations and all the kennels and things like that. Um, and then my foundation is branched, obviously, getting diagnosed with uh, MS. Uh, just under four years ago um, to bring the more of the MS side into Ontario because of the band. And um, we're, we're currently, me and my dad and a bunch of other people are helping me renovate these cottages we just purchased in November to give retreats to people that are suffering. Like there's people like me that have relapsing MS where, you know, I'm pretty normal. I do my treatments once a month to keep me afloat, but there's obviously families that are really suffering that uh, have progressive MS where, you know, their time is getting shortened. They're, you know, they're having troubles walking or in wheelchairs or walkers and things like that. And their whole family's suffering. So we want to give these families opportunity where they wouldn't have these opportunities because they're, you know, suffering with their kid or whoever and give them a, a retreat up at our cottage uh, under our, our expense and just enjoy, enjoy life and um, enjoy the things that I like to do when I uh, was in my off season. That's awesome. And I, I did look at uh, some of the photos there. Uh, I, I do have the Bicklefoundationorg flashing on the bottom there. And man, that, 
that that land on that property on the lake looks beautiful absolutely gorgeous <laughs> yeah we I, I crossed it i was fishing the lake and then i just saw a sign and then we we, reacted, we reacted really quick there's the market right now and Ontario and waterfront is going through the roof. Nobody wants to live in big cities because of all this COVID. So they're all moving out here, enjoying the quiet life. They're moving to the cottages and, and buying land out there and stuff, right? Yeah. So the, the market's just going through the roof. It's uh, happy that we've got it right now and um, enjoy it for personally, myself and my family and for my girls. And then obviously help out uh, other families that are you know really suffering and getting by time nothing about what's really happening in life yeah for sure and and yeah i mean that's that's kind of been you know the case with with everyone too i mean for me i i actually my wife and i are living in edmonton she's working on her phd but you know because we don't need to be there because everything's virtual we've just kind of moved back home and we're back in with our parents now and basically in ontario it's kind of scary you guys have been locked down for for a little while now and it's going to last for another month, I think, right? Uh, yeah, we don't know. It changes every day. so Yeah, fair. It's, uh, it's tough, <laughs> tough times, but um, I know we'll all get through and hopefully get this vaccine uh, you know, spread through us and that we can get our life back together and um, enjoying you know, things that we took for granted before. Absolutely. Uh, now, I also noticed that... Uh, you guys, one of your biggest fundraising things uh, that you hold with a foundation is the uh, fetching affair. Obviously, th this year you guys had to hold it virtually. I noticed that uh, there's extended bidding. Is the auction still going on right now? No, the auction was only ran for, I think, five or six days right before oh. Christmas. Um, yeah, so we have a big fetching affair in Chicago that we do every year, which is you know one of our, our big ones. Um, so we just did a bunch of raffle things on, online for people to bid. I think we raised over over forty five thousand dollars, which within you know five or six days of trip to Hawaii, Peloton bikes, a lot of big big gifts that uh, we got uh, donated to us to, to fundraise money for our foundation. Then you know we do a golf tournament every year uh, here in Canada, and that got uh, that got pushed too. So. Um, you know, it's tough times through through everything in the foundation, but uh, I think uh, overall, I think um, it's been going good. And you know, with what we're doing at this cottage and getting it ready for, for families, I know uh, it's going to open a lot of eyes, and, and the word's going to get around what we're doing here, and we're going to have a lot of people supporting it. So it's something good that we're doing. We're looking forward to to get things going and help uh, help out families. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And uh, another thing I was researching a little bit, Brian, too, um, you used to do the Bickle Charity uh, Tournament for, uh, for fishing. Is that a thing that you guys still do? or? Uh, we did that once. We did that, uh, it was north of Chicago. I, uh, obviously, I'm a big fisherman. I, that was my thing. People golf during the summer, and I did a little bit of golf, but then fishing was uh, <laughs> my bread and butter, so we... We got to our foundation. We did a golf or a fishing tournament. I don't know how many years ago that was, but we did it once. It was a huge success. Um, I think down the road, uh, everything settles down. We can get everything back online. I wouldn't mind doing it again. I, I had a blast and I had a lot of friends that are um, supporting me with uh, the pro anglers and obviously hockey guys that uh, came out and enjoyed, you know, fishing with complete strangers, complete fans of them. So it's, uh, it was a cool experience and you know, doing something. The, what I like to do and uh, fundraise money was, was special. Yep, I remember seeing a lot of your guys' fishes, picture pictures all over Instagram. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool to see. Um, I'm from upstate New York, so I kind of am right near Lake Ontario, St. Lawrence kind of way. So up here, fishing's a big hobby, hobby up in this area. So that's yeah. why I'm kind of more of the fishing guy, I guess you could say, out yeah. of the two of us. But. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully we can get these borders back up because uh, there's a couple of tournaments I just entered in. Uh, there's uh, Oneida in, in New York and then Thousand Islands is this summer. So hopefully we can get these uh, these borders back open so we can get uh, fish in those tournaments. So it'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. I'm about an hour and a half away from the Thousand Islands. So yep, I'm go, right up there. <laughs> we can go pre-fishing together. You can show me all your hot spots. <laughs> Maybe my girlfriend's dad. I don't know. He's pr pretty much got every hot spot on the St. Lawrence River. They got a they got a camp out there, so he he likes to fish walleye out there quite a bit. So. Oh, nice, nice. 
He's a Bruins fan, unfortunately, though. So yeah, well, <laughs> one year. So. <laughs> so how do those how do those tournaments work? Like, is it just strictly whoever gets the biggest fish, or you have a certain time limit to do? I have no idea. Yeah. So there's uh, every tournament is a little bit different, but these tournaments there's a uh, five fish limit. You catch five fish, you keep your biggest five fish in your live wall, you weigh them in after the day. Usually the tournaments run for two to three days. You, there's a cut, you get guaranteed two days to fish. If you don't make the cut, you go home. If you make the cut, you, you fish the final day for the for the big prize. And um, five fish limit, the biggest fish you got, you bring them to the scales, and hopefully they weigh a lot. That's really about it. And, uh, yeah. It's something I enjoy doing. It's uh, it gets uh, the competitive edge, and uh, and it's something that's uh, my passion. I just enjoy being on the water with you know friends and family, and um, the quiet time, and, and you never know what's gonna bite. So it's uh, uh, unknown. It's 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 fun for me. Yeah, absolutely. I I want to get into fishing. Like um, I want to learn how to because it's just. It 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 sounds very appealing. I mean, you you're just sitting out there with, like you said, your friends and your family. It's a quiet time. You just kind of enjoy each other's company. And with the fish, do you do you just release them once you uh, weigh them, or are you able to bring them home, or what's the deal? Oh, there? it's all it's all catch release. I'm yeah. not much of a guy that's uh, keeping fish. I'm just doing it for the sport. Um, yeah. You know, you catch five. If you catch a bigger one, you get rid of your smaller one. Uh, you bring it to the scale, and they usually have a a live release boat and they put them in a boat and then bring them back to you know their home so it's a it's a first sport there's not much not much keeping and eating in, in, in the sport of uh, bass fishing but um, it's something i've always enjoyed doing and now i'll have more uh more time to do it so have you ever um gotten into ice fishing a little bit in the winter time too brian i know that you're up there in canada i don't know it's pretty popular up in my neck of the woods i guess you could say yeah um uh, i was wondering yeah, ice fishing wasn't really much. I didn't really get into it. I usually played hockey for the winter, so it's uh, <laughs> now yeah, that I've been re- retired and now I have a cottage and it's on a lake, so I'm gonna get more into ice fishing and just enjoy, you know, ice. It's fishing through the ice. It's obviously a lot different <laughs> on the water, but um, I'm gonna get more and more into it uh, as the years go on. So now we're have the opportunity to, so I'm gonna hopefully do a lot. Awesome. Good, man. Awesome. So, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. And, um, if you're okay with it, we'd like, we'd love to talk to you about your playing career. Um, I think Dylan had a few questions about your junior, about your junior career. So, uh, Dylan, why don't you jump right into that? All righty. Sounds good, man. Um, so I kind of did a little bit of research. Uh, I saw you play juniors in the OHL for the Ottawa 67s. Um, growing up in Canada was, Playing in the OHL ultimately ultimately one of your goals, or did you kind of have a thoughts about playing uh, here in the NCAA in the US here, or did you just um, want to play in the OHL growing up? Yeah, I think um, you know being from Ontario, uh, dream about playing hockey, and uh, you know I think you know looking back in my younger teens, like if I had opportunity. To, to do so, it'll be through the OHL and um, the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League. Um, you know, that's the best return players going into the NHL and careers out of it. Um, I wasn't much of a book kind of guy to go into the schooling and things like that, but, um, <laughs> you know, I moved away when I was 16. I uh, moved to a big city of Ottawa. Uh, and my mom and wife uh, there. Um, experience that uh, was unbelievable. Moving away from them, 16 and living in billets and playing hockey and going to school it was uh, a cool experience, but it got me to where I wanted to be. It was a step to, to get into playing pro, and um, you know, I always look back at those memories and the friends that I made through that. It was an experience for, for life for sure. That's good to hear, man. I actually got to go to Ottawa this past uh, January when the Hawks played up there, so. Biggest city I've ever been to, because I mean we live out in the middle of nowhere up here in New York, so got cornfields and woods all over the place. So <laughs> it was a, it was a pretty nice city. It was my first experience in a big city. So <laughs> yeah, that's saying that big city. <laughs> that's what I was telling him too. <laughs> I was gonna say obviously it's not as big as Chicago, but <laughs> yeah. Now we did run into a little bit of controversy online there, Brian, because exactly. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> we kept looking online. The NHL.com says you're a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, Dylan looked it up, and you were announced as a three-time Stanley Cup champion by uh, by the Chicago Blackhawks themselves. Uh, and hockey <laughs> reference. And hockeyreference.com as well. So did you end up getting a ring for 2010? Uh, so... I did get a ring. I had a party. Um, so 2010, it was like the first year that Dogs won a cup in like 50 something years. So yeah, I was a, I, I was a call up. I was the minors a lot of the time, but I was one of the main call ups. Uh, and then I played four games in the playoffs. So with restrictions to get your name on the cup, you need to play over half of the games or one game in the finals. So I played 19 games that regular season, and then I got called up and then played four during the playoffs. I played. Uh, three in the first round, one in the second round, and then I was part of the team, but I was uh, like a healthy. But if you play a game in the finals, you get the name in the cup. So I got a ring, I got a cup party, but I didn't get my name in the cup in 2010. But I got obviously uh, 13, 15. So, I get my name on. so I, I always say like two and a half. Um, two and a half <laughs> um, if the name's on the cup, I would say two. So. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Well, I was gonna say I, I just told him we'll, we'll refer to you as the multiple multiple Stanley Cup champion. Make just yeah. make life easier. <laughs> I mean, I'd be willing to give him the two point five. We can just call him the two point five Cup champion. That's, yeah, that's that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> so referenced in the uh, the intro vid that uh, you know that I always run because that was on it. That was my favorite Blackhawks uh, memory. I, I guess it's the most memorable for me because I remember watching that that game the final uh, with my family at home in the living room. And, you know, when Kaner scored that goal, the puck disappeared. Nobody knew what was going on, but of course Kane knew that it was in the net. Um, he was celebrating before anybody else could, you know, knew what was going on. I was jumping around in my living room cause I knew that he had scored. Um, my family was looking at me like I was crazy, but uh, where were you in, in that moment in time? Like, were you in the press box? Did you think that the goal was in, or like, were you just as confused as everybody else on the well, ice? Funny story. So we're all the like, healthy scratches. We're we're in the locker rooms. So we're up, uh, I think two one, or is it two one? I think it was up two one or one nothing or something. I don't know what the score was. But then I remember um, they tied it up with like five minutes left in the game so we're all in our gear in the locker room getting ready to celebrate on the on the ice because you know five minutes we're gonna be you know hoisting the stand the cup but then they scored so we're like oh shit and then <laughs> we, they, they came into the locker room during uh during the timeout before the period or the overtime period so we're like we're hiding in the, in the closet with all our gear on and let the guys do their thing get ready for the overtime and then we came back out and then obviously Kane's score. There's only like two people that knew it went in. One was Kane. I think one was Sharp. So then we're like going down the hallway to go on the ice. Do we go on the ice? Do we not go on the ice? We're like, oh, screw it. We're on the ice. And then obviously we found out it was in the net. So then the celebration was on. It was a cool experience to obviously have an opportunity to the hoist the Stanley Cup, uh, a dream come true from being a kid and, and locker rooms and the hallways of uh, hotel rooms and playing pond hockey that was your dream and uh, to do it uh, then and to do it multiple times was the awesome uh, experiences for sure was it the same feeling for all three cups or was it uh like was it was it any different well there, i think every cup was different obviously the 10 was i was i was a part of it but i was a call up and then i played a little bit i wasn't there for the full time 13 was obviously the my bread and butter um you know, it was a huge part of it. I was, uh, I was up there for cons by votes uh, and things like that. And, uh, and obviously scoring the historic 17-second goal, the tight goal, the goal, and scoring it uh, to, to win the cup. And the playoff run that I have, it, even just the, the whole season, lockout year, I was over at Public for three years, or three months to, to get ready for the season when it started. Um, and then happened the year we did with 24 games without losing from the start of the year and having the playoff run we did. It was uh, special. And then obviously 15, um, I got hurt uh, in the conference finals. I played one game in the finals. And then, you know, obviously you would want to be playing every game you can, but it, uh, it holds you back from injuries. And um, 13 was my bread and butter. It was my most experienced or my favorite for sure. But 
opening it up anyway is uh, a great, uh, great accomplishment for sure. So, Brian, I kind of became a Blackhawks fan. Uh, I think it was like 2011, 2012. I don't really remember, to be honest. I wasn't really there for the 2010 run. So the 2013 run is like the first run in my mind that st- sticks out. Um, and then just seeing you go off in the playoffs, like I thought you were going to win the Con Smythe over Kane, honestly. But it just kind of stuck, sticks out. I have vivid memory of watching you in that playoff run. Can you kind of go back and tell a little bit about um, what it was like dur- during that run? I know you scored that overtime goal against Minnesota. And then especially the seven, the famous 17th seconds goal. Uh Kind of go back to what the emotions are like with the boys on those, or yeah, it was the whole year was uh, experience myself. Like we, with having Quinville and coaches again, like the jungle through the lines if things were going right. But we were clicking from from the get go. Um, obviously, with injuries, guys would come in and out of the, the lineup and different lines. But we stuck together through the whole year, and then got into playoffs. We kind of adjusted to a couple of things, and I started to play with uh, Taze and Kane. And then we just, I, I did all, I probably did all the digging, the, the dirty work going to our first door, trying to deck, giving them a talk and making a space for them. Uh, it was a fun, fun round to, to have that and play with those two guys because they're obviously Hall of Famers and world-class players. And um, to be a huge part of that run was, uh, was awesome. I remember down 3-1 against Detroit um, in the conference finals and then the battle lap all the way back to winning. Game seven and OT, um, you know, it was uh, an unbelievable tough run. Um, I know it was close to getting the consummate, but uh, I had a little inside thing that uh, me and I did when I was playing in playoffs. I used to eat sushi before games, and then like, I got to eat by myself because other guys would just want to, you know, eat their own thing. And I always ate sushi before every playoff game, every game, and then come. The, the conference finals were playing in LA, and then I was still doing my thing, getting goals and things like that. And then we had about five or six guys, and King was one of them, that we started eating sushi for the conference finals and, and then the finals. So I always, uh, after every time we scored, we would always yell sushi because obviously we always did that together. And it was something that the guys watching that did it because I don't know if it worked or how it did it or it was confidence or anything, I don't know. But um, superstitious things. Uh, Playoffs when things are good, you always uh, stick with it. So it was a fun experience, and um, yeah, I was close. King got hot, then, and he scored a lot of goals. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't think nearly any of those were as important as yours. Yeah, so, you know, he, he did his <laughs> thing, and um, it would have been cool to get that, but uh, ultimate year, you're there to win the cup. And it's a, it's a yeah, just to remind everybody in 2013, there. Bix got 17 points in 23 playoff games. Huge contributor to that cup run. And, uh, you know, obviously when Blackhawks fans think of Brian Bickle, we think hard-nosed, front-of-the-net, run-you-over style of hockey. And um, that was just always so fun to watch uh, as, as a Blackhawk fan. It was a good time to be Hawk fan back yeah. then. And it was definitely was, for sure. It was a good time. <laughs> A lot of parties, I tell you that. I was going to say, I've read some stories and quite a few books I've read on that team. And I've yeah. heard some interesting ones. <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys are going to be out over this party because they're partying too hard. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was, it was a fun Well, any you'd be willing to share on air here or what? Um, you know, nothing crazy. I remember just experiences when we were around town with the cup and then we would take a, like a party bus and bring it to all your favorite restaurants and clubs and things like that. Like that, and yeah. Like they don't know we're coming. I remember we went to a nice, you know, nice restaurant. We always got treated really well, and then like people that we bring the cup there. And I remember people were eating, and then then the cup came, and then they were standing on their tables trying to get the, the sight of the cup. And um, well, it was just a, you know, that cup had a lot of. If that thing could tell stories, that uh, it could definitely have the number one selling book or movie for sure because it uh, it brings out you know good times and. You know, for all that hard work and sweat and tears and blood and celebrate with your teams for your battle through through everything to do it. Yeah, it's an awesome moment to do it. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate to, to win a couple and have a couple good ones. It's uh, something that I will never take away from me. Yeah, absolutely. How much fun would that just be, just to bring that cup around and just cause ma- mass pandemonium everywhere you went just by lifting the thing, <laughs> showing it to everybody? <laughs> Dylan, did you want to ask about uh, that? shootout goal as a as a member of the carolina hurricane there 
Yeah, so I was um, – obviously, I've watched that clip on YouTube a bunch of times. Um, I was just kind of curious as what your thoughts were when uh, your coach asked you, and uh, Bill Peters it was, um, told you that you were going to be the first up in the shootout. I mean, you only had one ever – one previous shootout attempt ever in the NHL. So was it kind of uh, – did it kind of catch you off guard a little bit or – uh, no, it, I, I remember we, uh, it was the last four games of the year. I got called back up in the minors to, to finish off the season, and then I kind of announced that I was going to be retiring. And then Bill Peters was kicking himself in the butt because we played, uh, I can't remember who we played the night before, and then we went in the shootout, and then he didn't put me in. He's like, oh, man, like I should have put, put you in. And then we played Philly, um, then we went to OT, and then we had a couple breakaways back and forth. And I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. We might win. And then got to the shootout, and then wanted me to go first. And then I was like, I don't even want to go first. I wanted to go, like, second or third just to see the goalie and to see what he does. And obviously, this is my second shot in the shootout. So then I just went down there and picked a spot and hit the post and went in. And it was a good, uh, good experience. I can always say that I have a better shooting time and then just having your wife and daughter in the stands too, that make it just a little bit more special to you as well? Or My career, the last shot, last goal, and the cool experience to, to finish off of, uh, you know, a 10-year career and uh, to finish off that way was, uh, you know, something special. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't beat winning the cup, but it was definitely one of the highlights of my career for sure. Absolutely. Sorry, Bex, you, you kind of cut out there. So you, you were just saying how it was special having your folks and or your family there and um, your wife and daughter. And uh, it was just a special moment for you in your career there. Yeah, you know, all the people that supported me, my parents, something up with uh, to finish off and uh, to get the man to get a shot and to say you scored in your last shot and to finish off of uh, a pretty good career, a shorter career, but it was a, a fun one. And got a lot of yeah absolutely especially when you like you said you can you can boast that you got uh, a better shooting percentage than patrick kane in the in the, <laughs> in the shootout there <laughs> we also wanted to ask you about uh about cory crawford i mean you know obviously with the recent news of crow's retirement he's had an amazing career criminally underrated throughout his entire career um, an absolute great goaltender, future Hall of Famer in, in Dylan and I's opinion. You know, you guys were obvious close teammates uh, with Corey for a long time, and um, we know how much he means to the team, to the organization. Can you just talk about the type of person Corey Crawford was and, and the type of teammate that he was? Yeah. Um, you know, he was one of the normal goalies. Usually goalies are kind of off their block to begin with, um, but he was pretty normal. Like, coming up the minors together became – he came in the minors a year before me, but then he kind of came up to, uh, to Chicago at the same time. Uh, he was my buddy guard. He was a good friend uh, through the years of we were playing together in the nine years. Um, obviously, he just newly retired. Uh, he just was that uh, was a kind of like just running low, and he's just like, you know what? With all this craziness is happening in the world. Uh, he's did what he's did in the hockey world. He's just like, you know what? He's got two young boys at home. Um, kind of similar situation, but I didn't uh, hang him up on a, on a high note and to move on to the next thing in life. Uh, that's what he wanted to do. And he, he had a two-year contract still, but he thought, you know, I had a good run. I think I need to concentrate more on what's next and not what's in front. And, um, I know he gave it a lot of hard thinking, but, um, you know, health is more important. He obviously went through a lot of different things in his career, uh, concussions and you know, with uh, abuse, with alcohol, and things like that. So um, to get him mind straight and moving on to the next chapter of his life, uh, I think that's what's uh, more important for him and his family. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that he, he ended up deciding to prioritize his health over over continuing to play. I mean, um, like you said, he, he has done everything that uh, that a hockey player would want to do in, in the NHL. And... Um, you mentioned all of his concussions and and uh, his abuse with alcohol and and everything like that. His history with that, um, I'm happy to hear that uh, he's he's taking care of himself and you know that um, that's a decision that he that he decided to make. And I mean, he will go down 
as one of the greatest goaltenders in Blackhawks history. I have no doubt of that. Um, so yeah, happy to hear that that Crow ended on a high note. And Dylan, do you have anything else to add to that, or, or any questions or anything like that? I was gonna say I kind of got another thing to add to that, especially with the Hawks uh, playing against the Florida Panthers tonight. Um, can you go back oh, you and go. tell a little bit um, about what your relationship was with Coach Q? Um, we all know he's been an integral part of the Blackhawks organization and just a legendary coach throughout the history of the NHL. Um, does he um, hold like a special place in your heart at all? Or uh, yeah, I'm not saying in my heart, but he he was a great coach. <laughs> like, he, we saw eye to eye a lot of times, but we didn't see eye a lot of time too. It's uh, you know, it's um, it's our thing. You know, you have to be on your game at every single second. If you're not on, you're getting bumped down or, or things like that. You know, Taze and Kane, they're gonna be put out there every minute, uh, every moment. If they do something bad, they're still gonna be put out. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that uh, liked to juggle his lines, uh, like mix things up when things were working. Uh, and that's why I think he's so successful as a coach. Uh, I know, um, you know, he when things were good, it was uh, with me and him. It was, you know, I was I felt like Jason Kane. It was, it was unbelievable. When it was good, it was good because you're you're sitting in the fourth line or even out of the lineup. And, uh, that's morally on me and uh, how I performed. Uh, you know, times and, and the bad times but um you know he was a great coach he had uh, he was lighthearted. everybody thought he was a badass but a grumpy ass but uh he got to <laughs> behind closed doors in the locker room he was pretty uh goofball and liked to have fun he enjoyed uh just being in the locker room lighthearted, <laughs> crack jokes all the time he was fun behind he was called a different nickname at different times in the games or whatever he would uh, just start awesome uh now do you do you keep up with uh with the blackhawks now like are you watching any of their games or i know they've been sucking it kind of sucks to say like i don't think they want a playoff series it's like you know i've been out of the box um, I'm not saying it was me, but like it's. No, it was definitely uh, you, Bex. It was definitely you. Obviously, it's <laughs> the, the run that they went on during those whatever years, like uh, any team would take that, you know, it's not going to be like that uh, every year. And, uh, I know they're trying to get younger again and still keep smaller pieces to kind of keep everything floating. But, um, you know, for the first couple games, it doesn't look good. But um, hopefully, the shortened season, they can kind of get on the hot streak and kind of get back in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, the game's changed since I've been out. It's more skilled and not a lot of hitting. It's more fast and things like that. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a weird game with salary gap. And, you know, everybody, like, I've been watching hockey lately. I would love to be near Toronto watching the Leafs and things like that. Like, I don't know half the guys in the league are just switching around every team. There's so many more trades and moves. to kind of keep everything under the cap and the play young players coming in because it's a young men's game. This game, that's what the Leafs want. Yeah. Sorry, you, you were you were kind of cutting in and out there again on the road, I think. Um, so what I got was that you were just saying that the game has changed. It's a lot faster now. Um, you know, players are moving around a lot more. Trades you, with the salary cap and everything, kind of teams are, are looking to save a bit of money maybe uh, by, by calling up their, you know, their young kids a, a little sooner. So, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the game has definitely changed and it's, it's all about speed now. I mean, you see the McDavid's and the and the... Drysaddles and the Matthews and the Marners, like it's insane what these guys can do. And I don't know if you saw this the other yesterday, but um, Tim Stutzel uh, from the Ottawa Senators got a his first goal last night. I mean, it was it was nuts. Yeah. It, it yeah. kind of like it was a floater, and he just batted it into the pot, into the net. Like yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Timing is everything. It's, it's crazy. It's, uh, it's a different game, but uh, it's fun to watch. I know all the young kids like all that skill stuff, and there's not so much. You know the grinding type players of, uh, of fighting and, uh, and hitting, but um, the game's changed. The world's changing. We just to adjust with it. And um, you know, I still enjoy watching the hockey. It's uh, everyone likes seeing goals and things like that. But uh, that was my kind of game. I was kind of more of a rough nose guy and uh, go on the corners and go in front of that. That was uh, my bread and butter. But it's still fun to watch. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's interesting, right? Because I find that. That the game has changed the most in the regular season. I mean, you know, we're seeing more odd man rushes, more fast breaks. 
Um, but you don't really see that in 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 the playoffs. Like you, the, the playoff hockey is kind of still what you what you uh, what it was like when you were still playing. Kind of that. I mean, you you saw that with Dallas last year, how they were able to do so well once they got into the playoffs because they have those guys that can grind on you and lean on you and and just make you work extra hard for for every puck battle. So, do you notice that at all, or? There's, there's there's regular season hockey and there's playoff hockey. Um, you know, this year it's kind of different. There's a lot of odd man rushes because the teams are adjusting and it's just getting back into the group of things. Um, but playoff hockey is a different kind of hockey, and um, it's always changed uh, the level. Um, you know, everything. It's just, every shift means everything. Every second, every every shot, every hit, uh, it can cause uh, a win down the road. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there we go. We just got a the, the big hole. Now Twilight zone. Yeah, we're good now. Nice. The, 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 we're up where we're being igloos. I'm sorry, guys. It's it's a little delayed, but we we should be able to get this done. I mean, we don't have too much too much left. Um, yeah. I just wanted to ask about uh, you know any any favorite spots in Chicago that you used to go to, favorite haunts, um, favorite memories, or anything like that uh, about being in the city. I don't know about you, Dylan, but I've never stepped foot in, in Illinois. So, you know, I, I want yeah. to learn more about the city of Chicago. Yeah, like, well, Chicago is a great city. I think it was one of the better cities, uh, you know, I traveled to. Um, I wasn't biased because I played there, but the, the entertainment, the food, uh, the waterfront, the people, um, I always think it's the second home to me because I there for, you know, nine years. Um, it's uh, unbelievable place to to raise a kid but i'm not uh not much of a city guy i'm more of a country guy and i think you're cutting out yeah <laughs> we got that you're not much of a city guy you're more of a country guy yeah you know as a canadian i'm just happy to have you back up here in canada where you belong uh that's just my opinion of course but you know we just have some rapid fire questions to end this interview if, if that's okay with you yeah for sure let him rip okay so let's start with We'll stick with Chicago. What was your favorite restaurant in Chicago? Uh, my favorite restaurant in Chicago would have to be uh, probably Chicago Cut. Um, good steakhouse that, uh, you know, is one of the best steakhouse in Chicago. Um, they, they treated us really, really well. We brought the cup there multiple times. Um, good people to us. And uh, they also had tomato. Sweet. I don't know if you heard that, but yeah. <laughs> heard it, yeah. Chicago Cut best steakhouse in chicago awesome so i got one too um favorite food i'm gonna assume it's probably steak if you chose a steakhouse but favorite food in chicago yep um they had obviously so many different types of food in chicago i think it's one of the better cities to eat um from italian to chinese to you name it pizza so deep dish pizza has to be the front runner because that's chicago's thing um, so Illuminati's Deep Dish Pizza in Chicago. Look out. Nice. Out of everyone that you've ever played with in your career, who had the filthiest mouth? <laughs> filthiest mouth? I thought, um, filthiest mouth? Ooh, I don't know. Um, Andrew Shaw, Shaw had a lot of smack talk. <laughs> <laughs> would you movie? say Andrew Shaw is the best chirper you've ever played with, or would that go to Versteeg? Uh, for Steve, yeah, he was more of a trash talker off the ice, not so much on the ice. He would get his ass beat because he's a guy. <laughs> That's true. So who would you say the, burst, uh, no. uh, the best chirper you've ever played with is? Uh, best chirper is probably Shazzy. He, 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 he didn't give a shit about what other guys think. And if you had to fight him, then he'd be like, whatever, let's go. <laughs> he, he's a trash talker for sure. Nice, so, yeah, Dylan. Um, favorite musician slash song? Do you have any, uh, what type of music you'd listen to? Just anything music related? Um, I listen to mostly country. Um, uh, usually like come game days and stuff like that. You listen to, you know, rap and R&B to get you kind of going. But, uh, majority I was uh, a country music guy. I'd go to country concerts and things like that. Uh, but like come game time, you like the upbeat stuff to get you all fired up for the game. So. I'm I'm pretty big in the country music myself, so I'm right there with you, man. Bix, you mentioned uh, you mentioned sushi was uh, your pregame 
meal during those 2013 playoffs there. What is the weirdest pregame superstition that you've ever heard of or witnessed in your career? Whoa. Oh, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of guys that had superstitious things they did, uh, like tied their left skate first and, and things like that. But uh, the ultimate su- superstitious person ever that I played with is probably uh, Brett Seabrook. Um, he had to say the same words at certain times, the tire skates, to go to the washroom at certain times, certain sips. Like it was like, it was, it made me, made me tired just thinking about it. <laughs> but Seabrook definitely had the, the big front run of uh, superstitious. Gotcha. <laughs> Never would have thought about that with with Seabs. I mean, we we know obviously what type of guy he is in the locker room, but uh, I would have never guessed that he was he was that particular about everything. Yeah, very um, very superstitious. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, favorite spot to fish? Uh, favorite spot to fish uh, is probably where the fish are biting. <laughs> um, I got a lot of different lakes. We we're we're lucky to have. Tons and tons of lakes uh, um, around us. Um, obviously, it's special to go over the states and catch those big ones because they have longer seasons and no seasons of fishing seasons in in the states. Um, but just any time on the water, if they're not biting, they're biting. It's it's any time in the water, special to me. Awesome. We'll do the last one here. Your favorite teammate that you've ever played with? Ooh, favorite teammate. Um, well, Crawford was probably out there. My favorite, uh, you know, I played with my my whole career. Um, Andrew Shaw was a good buddy of mine that we, uh, when he came in the league and the team, we clicked big time. Um, you know, you have a lot of friends through hockey, and uh, you know, I think those two are definitely the, the two front runners. Awesome, Andrew Shaw's an answer to a lot of these questions. Filthiest mouth, best chirper, favorite teammate. <laughs> Um, yeah <laughs> so that's perfect well that's i'd like why. to thank he's you good, so much brian uh, uh, he, uh, i wouldn't want to play against him though yeah yeah and honestly i'm so happy that uh that he's healthy now i like i'm, I'm so happy for him because i was a little afraid that uh that he might have to retire early of course with all his concussions and everything so you know super happy to see him back on the ice and, and doing what he does best but yeah I, I, well, we'd like to thank yeah, you brian so has lots of beer left Absolutely. Sorry, there's a there's no an problem, obvious guys. delay in, in our... Uh, All the best. Thank you so much for jumping on. Go me. Hawks go, baby. Go Hawks go. Yes, sir. Have a good one, guys. Thanks a lot. You too. Stay safe. And yeah, uh, all you, the best with, with the foundation and everything, too. For sure. Take care. Bye. What is up, everybody? Mikey CLT here from Bar Down Breakdown, letting you know that our 100th episode is going to be dropping exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network on January 27th. We will be joined by special guest Derek from the amazing pop punk band State Champs. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on all our socials so you do not miss any of our amazing episodes we are so pumped that we have made it to episode 100 and to thank you we are running an instagram contest where one lucky winner can win a steez brand snapback hat so head over to our instagram and enter our contest also if you are just hearing about bar down breakdown make sure you go and check out our 99 other episodes where we have had artists who have been nominated for grammys all the way down to artists who are unsigned, where we dive into the crossover between alternative music and hockey. So make sure you go and check out Bar Down Breakdown wherever you listen to podcasts, brought to you exclusively by the Hockey Podcast Network. What an interview. Yeah, it was interesting. So great to have Brian Bickle on. It was it was uh, an honor to talk to him. And uh, again, thank you, Brian, for for jumping on. I was going to say, yeah, it was definitely interesting. 
I hope you guys all enjoyed that episode. I mean, we learned a lot about, uh, I think the, the cup runs and I found it interesting that, uh, <laughs> I find it interesting that Seabrook is the most uh, superstitious I know, guy. That when he said that, I was like, "What?" Out of like everybody, <laughs> like because Seabs doesn't yeah. seem like that type of guy. He just kind of seems like one that would kind of be like laid back and kind of chill before games. But evidently, yeah, like uh, definitely the definitely the type of guy who you know gets you pumped and everything. But uh, the fact that he has to say the same things, the exact <laughs> same way, the same words, man, that's that's pretty crazy. Go to the bathroom at the same exact time too. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird, but all right. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, I hope you guys all enjoyed day. that episode. Uh, that will do it for me and Dylan. Uh, yeah, hopefully you come back for next time. We've got the Hawks playing tonight. Uh, puck drops in about three hours here. Anything you uh, you want to add there, Dylan? No, just uh, I want to say thank you again to Brian. Um, short notice. Uh, kind of shot a message the other day. Just. Uh, shot in the dark and he was responded and he's been talking to me the last couple of days trying to schedule this whole deal so i'm just glad that he was uh willing to take time out of his schedule and join a little podcast like ours so um Absolutely. just want to send a big thanks out to him it really means a lot to me and i'm sure as well as it means a lot to you so absolutely and uh, listeners out there, if you want more information on Brian and Amanda Bickle's foundation, please go to www.bicklefoundation.org um, and you'll find all that information there. You know, the support for pit bull breed dogs and also um, support for people living with multiple sclerosis. So uh, that's bicklefoundation.org. Jump on there and uh, learn more about Brian's foundation. So that is the end of this episode go hawks go and we will catch you next time you're listening to the hockey podcast network on twitter at hockey Podnet. new episodes every monday and thursday download at the hockey podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from <laughs>